Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. This is an exciting episode. I've been just itching to record because I want to learn about what we're talking today about today, which is all about sprouts. We're bringing on the sprout man himself, Doug Evans. He's author of the book, The Sprout Book, Tap into the power of the planet's most nutritious food. He's revolutionizing growing your own food right out of your own kitchen in an affordable and accessible way. We're talking pennies, which is pretty cool. He's on a mission in life to help people learn how to grow and eat the most nutritious foods on the planet. And he's making sprouts cool. Like, I don't know about you, but I think sprouts seriously needs a new PR person because uh, when I thought about sprouts before reading this book, my thoughts were not the most uh, excited. And now I'm just itching to become a constant lifelong sprout creator and eater. (laughs) I actually heard about Doug in a different setting. I heard him on an episode of my husband's podcast. Uh, It's called Business for Good Podcast. And he interviews business founders who created businesses specifically to do good things in the world and make an impact that helps the environment and helps people and helps animals. And that's where I first heard of Doug Evans because he's a serial entrepreneur and uh, is is most notably known for being the founder of Juicero. And Juicero had quite a bit of a downfall. They reached high success with him as a leader. And uh, and then you can listen to the episode yourself. But in the end, it was not good for Juicero or Doug. And he sh- has shown his resilience by continuing to be a leader. And now in the space of Sprouts, we are really excited to have him on our podcast. He is an early pioneer in the natural food industry in the early 2000s. He co-founded one of the first exclusively raw, organic, and plant-based juice chains in the country called Organic Avenue. He then became known all around the world as founder of Juicero with the mission of bringing more fresh produce to the home. And recently, he wrote The Sprout Book in efforts to teach people about the power of sprouts. We hope you enjoy this episode. Before we jump into this episode, we want to thank our sponsors. We have Maxine's Heavenly and Carviva. Carviva is actually a particularly perfect sponsor for this episode all about sprouts because they actually have their own hydroponic facility where they grow mung bean sprouts that they use in their juices. So pretty cool. We're going to talk all about how the power of sprouts and how they are super, super, super nutrient dense, more than just eating vegetables and fruits on their own. So pretty cool that you can get them in their juices if you don't want to do the work yourself. Uh, Check them out for everything they have to offer. And if you want to check them out, you can go to carviva.com, K-A-R-V-I-V-A.com. And it's available at some grocery stores and on Amazon. Next, a big thank you to Maxine's Heavenly. Maxine's Heavenly makes awesome cookies that are a bit 
better for you than traditional cookies, but they still taste amazing. And it's actually a brand that is inspired by the founder's mom, Maxine, who theoretically made the best cookies ever. And they went about on a mission to make them healthier. They substituted all the ingredients one by one, taking out all the processed flours and sugars and gluten and animal products and the empty calories and replacing them with better for you alternatives so that you've got the special taste uh, while still making it a super nutrient-rich cookie experience. That's awesome. I love those family stories. Uh, And speaking of family, I always like having a box or two or three of these laying around because they make it so easy after dinner when when I didn't uh, make a dessert but have to curb my sweet tooth. Uh, so I pull out one of these boxes and everybody always loves them. And um, and it, everyone is a happy camper. So I really appreciate Maxine's Heavenly. You can find them at maxinesheavenly.com and you can save 25% using our coupon code PLANTS25, P-L-A-N-T-S-2-5. Again, that's at maxinesheavenly.com. Hey, Doug, welcome to the Plant Powered People Podcast. How are you doing today? I am the best ever, and I've been looking forward to being on this podcast for a really long time. So, this is a dream come true. Oh, thanks. That makes us so happy. We're so excited to chat with you. And I recently got to hang out with Doug in real life, and it was awesome. And I met his uh, beautiful partner, Sivan, and uh, and went to their place in, in the desert, which was absolutely beautiful. So I am excited, excited because we are now real life friends. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I feel like I know Michelle my whole life. So uh, <laughs> me too. <I> guess- <laughs> same. You have this ability to instantly connect. In the same way, you're like, this is the best day ever. I feel like every day for you is the best day ever. And that's the total vibe I get every time I talk to you. It's such a such a warm, happy vibe. So we're so well, happy you're know, here. You know, it's we we all have a choice, right? And whatever happens um is going to happen. And then we have the choice of how we're going to respond to it. So I just know that I make better decisions coming from a place of abundance and gratitude. And I package that in this best day ever consciousness. So whatever is happening, it's the best ever. And (laughs) it helps me make better decisions. I love that. I I wish more people had that attitude and, and maybe you being on this podcast, we can introduce our listeners to that mindset of gratitude and abundance as well. Well, if they're eating sprouts, it is inevitable. How your fascination with sprouting began. Sure. I'm a simple guy that grew up in a middle a middle income, lower middle income family in New York City and did all the things that probably everyone who's listening did. I got thrown out of every school I went into. I wrote graffiti on subway trains. I joined the 82nd Airborne as a paratrooper when I was 17 years old. I did some graphic design. I did some computer graphics. And then um, literally tragedy struck my my family. My aunt got diabetes, which resulted in a double amputation of her feet. And if we could just take a moment and feel like 
what that would be like not to have feet. And that was a come to presence moment for me about, wow, like this could happen to anybody. Because I remember growing up, my, my aunt was pretty healthy, at least I thought. And then my uncle died of heart disease. My mother got stomach cancer and died. My father got heart disease and died in the same hospital as my mother. And then my brother developed type 2 diabetes, became obese, and had the first of three strokes and a heart attack. So at, at 33 years old in 1999, I'm thinking that I was genetically cursed and that my days were numbered. And they say when the student is ready, the teacher will come. Out of all the people in New York City, I bumped into a woman who was vegan. And I never heard the term vegan before. I thought it was short for vegetarian. And she told me all about like her life. And she's making tofu cheesecakes and different dressings and salads. And she was a speech pathologist at United Cerebral Palsy and just had a heart of gold. And she said to me that it wasn't my genes that were going to kill me. It was my lifestyle. And that really was the first time anyone connected those dots for me and dispelled me of the irrational belief that I could do anything and I could exercise my way to health. And even though I wasn't exercising at the time, but that's what I thought, like you could eat anything and you know, a calorie is a calorie and you can burn it off. And that led me to my cold cucumber moment where I gave up eating cooked food, processed food, refined food, meat, dairy, all animal products. And within a two-week period, I made that transition um, from eating anything to vegetarian, to vegan, and then to raw vegan. And I've been predominantly raw vegan um, for 23 years now. Let's first give a shout out to that cold cucumber. Cold cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. At first I was like, hmm, cold cucumber. Did he eat that? But then I got it. Uh, everyone, if you have used the term uh, cold turkey, it's not very vegan friendly. So now let's all adopt cold cucumber. Cold cucumber. Thanks, <laughs> yes. No, no animal, no animal appropriation, only in loving ways. So, but yeah, thank you. And, and that's what I felt. And I love cucumbers. Like cucumbers are one of the best snacks, easiest, fastest food. They stay crisp. You carry them around. They're, they're filling. They're a fruit. They have seeds and they're low glycemic and rich in fiber. And the main ingredient in the cucumber is water. So cucumbers are just golden. I love it. So take us through what happened when you had this now new exposure to someone who was living a life completely different than yours with a food philosophy very counter to what you're used to. How did you take it from there? It was a real challenge. When I reflect back on being in New York in 1999, and I think there were two or three vegan restaurants, Candle Cafe or Suen, and nothing raw and um, not a lot of organic produce. And 
I was so used to literally eating meat, chicken, fish, pizza or pasta um, and desserts every day. Like if I didn't eat that, I thought I was going to um, evaporate like and disintegrate. So it was a challenge every day. And my what I did was I would create a map and say, okay, just for today, right, which is a very 12-step thing to say, but just for today, what was I going to eat today? And map out a plan of what I was going to eat today. And I had watched an interview live with uh, Dr. Doug Graham, who talked about fruitarian diet and um, eating one item at a time and properly food combining. And that turned out to be pretty easy. And I was like, okay, I'm going to eat a whole watermelon. And then I'm going to eat a whole cantaloupe. And then I'm going to eat a whole honeydew. And then I'll eat some grapes. Then I'll eat some berries. Don't forget durian. Don't forget the durian. Yeah. The the durian, I always ate the durian last. Because if I ate ate durian on an empty stomach, I would probably eat 20 or 30 pounds of it. So I (laughs) I would always eat durian at the tail end of the day so that I was already pretty satiated. And then I could be eating the durian as this experience, very sensuous experience, you know, with this exotic food. So you've done this again, and and this is the reason why we brought you, uh, with sprouts in the same way that you made juice, juicing really cool and exciting and an alternative to what people were used to drinking on a daily basis. Uh, you are doing the same with sprouts. So what caused that fascination with sprouts and sprouting? So I had been sprouting for 25 years and it was always a garnish. It was always a side dish. It was something that I could add to things or a little snack on. And then when I moved to the Mojave Desert and I moved to Wonder Valley Hot Springs, I realized not only was I in the desert, I was in a food desert, that there was no vegan restaurants. There were no vegetarian restaurants. There were no whole foods or um, high quality health food stores. So I realized that I may have made a, a wrong decision in where I moved. Because I always previously moved to where the food was because I knew I had to eat. And here I made a decision to move to the desert because I wanted to be in nature. I wanted to have space. I wanted to see the sunrises and the moon rises. I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to our podcast are new to Sprouts. What is the big deal about Sprouts and why should everyone start eating them today? So the big deal about Sprouts is that a a sprout is a stage of a vegetable. So you can start with seeds, grains, legumes, vegetable seeds, and those seeds are hard objects that could be confused with, with little pebbles, but they are actually complete living organisms 
providing they haven't been irradiated or cooked. Like these are living organisms. And if you create the right environment for these living organisms, these seeds, they will germinate and sprout. And sprout, you know, they'll grow a shoot, they'll grow a root. And what makes them so fascinating is that with just the addition of water to these seeds, you start to remove the phytic acid, the enzyme inhibitors, and you signal, like almost like you're winking at the seed that, hey, come on, baby, grow into a sprout, come on. And then overnight, the germination process begins. And this seed begins the transformation into a vegetable. And within one week, this transformation is generally completed. And it occurs without soil, without sunshine, without fertilizer, and without insecticides or pesticides, that, that it's all happening. So if you were to take a handful of, say, lentils, lentils, and I know both of you love lentils, and they're the staple of the plant-based diet around the world. If you take lentils and you soak them and you germinate them, you double the antioxidant levels, you triple the vitamin C, and within a week, you quadruple the volume, soluble and insoluble fiber. And this is happening with just the addition of water, that the sprouts are managing to pull carbon out of the air and turn it into fiber and volume. Like it's just, it is literally magic. I used to think that the sprout growth was all about water. But then I evaporated and dehydrated out the extra water, and you were left, and I was left with with mass, a fibrous mass, insoluble fiber, that was a multiple of the original seed size. So it's it's really a miracle, like it's a miracle of part of the circle of life, and I would say that. In in a totally abundant, healthy world, people would take a single seed and they would sprout it. It would turn into like a microgreen. It would turn into a baby green vegetable. And then it would grow into a broccoli plant that could have many, several pounds of broccoli on it. And if there was no, if there was no time pressure and no limitation of water or land, then it seems like pretty amazing that you could take a seed the size of a pinhead and it would grow into a broccoli plant with pounds and pounds of a volume of food. And so then so many it, more seeds, right? And it's, yeah, it's, it's the circle of life is amazing. So I think if we had all of those things going, Michelle, then you really, there was no pressure or compulsion to grow your own sprouts. And, you know, in times like 
during World War II, where 40% of Americans had a victory garden and were growing their own food? That's a far cry today, where less than 1% of America grows their own food. So sprouting is a way where you can have a victory garden on your countertop occupying the space of a shoebox and growing your own vegetables. And if you think about growing them, as soon as you're outside and in a garden, and by the way, I love soil, I love gardens, I love farms, organic farms, vegan farms. I just love nature and I love farms. But when you're outside, you could have a bird poop on your your crop. You could have an animal <laughs> run through it. You could have a human animal out in the field, you know, too lazy to go back to, you know, use the the toilet inside. Like anything can happen out in the field. And the, the, the idea that I could be growing my own produce on my kitchen countertop and I'm taking it from seed to harvest without risk of contamination, without risk of being in contact with animal fecal matter, with any, without anyone touching it. And I get to consume that crop at the peak of freshness. Like that is mind boggling to me. Not and, to mention cheap. Well, yeah. I mean, in the abundance consciousness, the like I'm almost not even thinking about that. But think about this. If you were to go to the health food store and you're buying produce, like salad greens or sprouts in the health food store, you will or the farmer's market, you will pay between $1 and $3 per ounce for sprouts or microgreens. Like that's just the cost. You get a little two ounce pack and it's $5 or $7, depending where you are. If you want to take. Oh, why is that? Why, why is it so much more expensive at the grocery store than it is to do it at our, at our own home? Well, for one, someone has to do work. Like the setup to commercially grow sprouts and the reporting and the processing and the sanitation and the refrigeration and the transportation and the labor it all adds up and once they sell it it once they grow it it only has a very short shelf life so there's probably a lot of waste um in the course of them doing it and also you have, in order to ship them around you need a refrigerated truck or ice packs or coolers so it's just not something that is a very profitable business. Like if I go to the farmer's market, I'll buy sprouts just to encourage the farmer to keep growing them. Like I just want to support them. But when I'm growing for food, two tablespoons of broccoli seeds, which maybe 50 cents worth of seeds, broccoli seeds are the most expensive seeds you can get. You can get a pound of um, organic sprouting lentils, lentils, for like $2 a pound, whereas broccoli seeds cost, I think the latest, you know, 
maybe you know ten dollars a pound, twenty dollars a pound. Broccoli seeds could be expensive, but you're getting like tens of thousands of seeds. It's worth every penny of it. But these two tablespoons of broccoli seeds will turn into six cups of broccoli sprouts. That's crazy. And what, bene- what benefits do those, say you're, you're sprouting broccoli seeds, what nutritional benefits are you gaining and how is it different than just eating broccoli? So it turns out broccoli is very healthy, right? It's a very clean, um, clean vegetable. It's part of the cruciferous family, the pungent smell, the semi-bitter taste, um, all very healthy. From a pure um, nutrient perspective, the phytonutrients and the components that make the broccoli sprouts into medicine, once you take the broccoli seed and you germinate it, it's literally going from a seed, and seeds are very rich sources of protein and fiber. But once you germinate the broccoli seed, there's a component, a compound inside of the broccoli seed called glucoraphanin. And it's almost imagine it's in a little, um, a little bag, like a little water balloon bag inside the broccoli sprout or the broccoli plant. And next to it is another little bag with an enzyme called myrosinase. When an insect would bite the plant, the enzyme would um, be pierced and the liquid inside would touch the, the compound of the glucoraphanin and that form, those one plus one, would equal sulforaphane. And sulforaphane is the item that's been most researched, probably 2,500 peer-reviewed published papers on sulforaphane in treating um, cancer, autism, detoxifying benzene from the lungs, regulating um, all sorts of the NRF2 pathways. Every, a lot of magic happens. So if you look at broccoli, um, mature broccoli and broccoli seeds, the compound of glucoraphanin, the precursor for sulforaphane, is a finite amount given to each seed. And as the plant grows and develops, it's diluting the amount of glucoraphanin in the mature plant. And that's with many, many different compounds in the plant. So as the broccoli is getting bigger, it still has all the um, polyphenols and bioflavonoids and, and the glucoraphanin and the myrosinase. It just several of those are being diluted and the plant is growing with more insoluble fiber and more water. So that's why you can juice vegetables because there's a lot of water content in it. And there's also a lot of fiber in it. And fiber is good, both soluble and insoluble fiber is good. But you're not getting more of the glucoraphanin. And that's where 
if you were to multiply that along so many different of the vitamins and minerals and enzymes and compounds that exist in the plant, they they don't exist um, at the same concentrations. I mean, one thing which I'm sure both of you are familiar with is alfalfa sprouts. So imagine one little alfalfa sprout jam-packed with vitamin C, with all sorts of antioxidants, um, uh, soluble and insoluble fiber. That alfalfa sprout will grow into alfalfa hay that could be 24 inches long, but it's a lot of dry fiber and roughage. You know, on a per calorie basis, it's good for a horse that needs to eat whatever 50 pounds a day, but for a human, um, it, it would just be volume. I mean, it really blew my mind because I, I just recently got your book, The Sprout Book, and have been, I'm almost all the way through it. Um, I honestly can't put it down, just busy mom life, you know, and it blew my mind. I just had no idea. I've always eaten alfalfa, alfalfa sprouts when I could get my hands on it because I love them. But I had no idea there were that sprouts contain like sometimes 50 times as as much of various, you know, beneficial nutritious properties as the vegetable or the seed form. I just, that, that blew my mind. I had no idea. Um, and it's crazy to think like why, why these germinated sprouts are so much more nutrient dense, but it does make sense. Yeah. It's like they have, they're holding within them before they grow the capacity to become an entire plant and then many, 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 many more seeds. So, um, I don't know. I just, I've been so, um, eager to start sprouting, I actually just bought a sprouting kit and I'm going to start probably tonight or tomorrow. But the power that we have to, with almost no money, just flood our body with nutrients thanks to sprouts. It's like, we just wish, I wish I had known that sooner. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Doug, for yes, someone Tony. like Michelle, who's just getting started with sprouting, she just got her first kit. She just is full of excitement. How do you even do it? You said it's really easy. You said it's as easy as going to the grocery store and buying some organic lentils, but then what? So it's there's two different um, processes that are involved. Number one is, and, and I can add a third one just because um, I put out there as a caution and people, same way people wash their hands and rinse their produce, um, washing the seeds or soaking the seeds first in a hydrogen peroxide um, solution will, depending on the concentration, but if you were to get food grade hydrogen peroxide, 12% concentration, if there were any microbes, any bacteria, any pathogens, any fungus on the seed, it would reduce it to zero. Like it's that powerful from a sanitizing agent. Now, I, I don't tell people what to do, but that is the best practice if anyone has any concerns around um, food safety, um, a good idea to sanitize their seeds. Um, once you have a seed that's sanitized, you soak it, and depending on the seed, and you know, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book, Tony, because um, there's a lot of nuance. But in general, 
if you were to soak the seeds for eight hours in a jar or a glass, and then you could use cheesecloth and a rubber band, you could use a metal or plastic screen on on the sprouting jar. And Michelle, you know, said she bought a kit, so they probably have a screen on the jar for her to work with. So you soak the seeds for the eight hours, you pour out the extra water, you put new water in, you spin it around, and what you're doing there is you are rinsing off any bacteria that may have formed in that eight-hour period. You are removing any biofilm or any gunk or anything that was on the seeds. And then you leave the jar in an inverted position so that the it's upside down, um, typically at a 30 or 45 degree angle so that the water strains out of it. And you're left with a, a group of seeds that have been soaked and you've triggered the germination process. And then 12 hours later, you're doing this twice a day. You rinse them off again and you strain off the extra water. And if you were to look at a time lapse or you were to look at pictures of these, they're going to go from a little seed to a little fur ball and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And within the week, you'll have something that may be as long as two inches long. It's so cool because I've been dabbling more in growing my own food and the the waiting process is sometimes months. And what I'm so excited about is that this is a process that is days and it takes no soil. It takes not having to go outside and figure out your growing zone. Like you literally need a mason jar and some seeds or even food that you get at a grocery store like lentils. Um, and you can create more food fast. And that is just mind boggling. And that it unlocks even more nutrition with it is so, so cool. What do you recommend as people's first starter starter sprouting seeds? I, well, What's best for beginners? Think, what tastes the best? You know, lentils um, are, are probably the easiest to get started with because they're familiar. They're big. They actually taste good, even plain. They have a crunchy taste and you can eat them in as little as 30 hours. So sprout lentil, you can consume in as little as 30 hours and you could take some out and continue to rinse them and and grow out the crop until it's a full week old. And it's almost like a miracle where you take a handful out and then the next day the, the sprouts have grown and filled up the volume of what you removed. So lentils are, are fascinating like that. From a garden vegetable, probably one of the most popular sprouts and is alfalfa sprouts probably because they're such a mild, fluffy, light taste. It's very easy to eat the alfalfa sprout, but don't be confused that the light flavor um, means it's light on nutrition. It's really, really powerful from a nutrition perspective. If someone has any sort of you know, condition from a medicinal perspective, whether they've got Alzheimer's or they've got 
uh, benzene in their lungs, or they've got type 2 diabetes, um, if they're overweight. Like there's so many reasons that broccoli sprouts end up being kind of the go-to contemporary sprout of, of this decade. I think that uh, broccoli sprouts probably has the most attention, the most research behind it. And it's really interesting. The, if you let them grow, as we discussed, they'll get more volume, but they're not going to get more of the glucoraphanin. But if beyond like the third day, um, the, the broccoli sprouts actually start to get more bitter on day four and five and six. So if you're eating them around the third day, they're the most palatable. I'm easy to eat. But then, you know, to go back in the process, you soak the seeds for eight hours, you rinse out the extra water, you add fresh water, swirl it around, strain out the extra water, leave it inverted for overnight, eight to 12 hours, and then repeat. Um, add water and strain, and you do that twice a day, um, preferably 12 hours apart. And then you can start eating the sprouts after three days, four days, five days, um, and until you get your, your full crop. And then you start again. So if you look at any of my Instagram photos, I'm typically sprouting at least four jars simultaneously so that I can always have a fresh crop and I, I don't have to be um, uh, petty or cheap or light on my servings. Like I can literally eat as many sprouts as I want and because they're so inexpensive and ubiquitous, I'm able to do that. But there are days when I easily have, you know, eight to 12 cups of sprouts. Wow. That's awesome. It's, it's crazy because, I mean, throughout my history of life, sprouts are a garnish. And you all garnish that you only find at like a super hippie vegan restaurant. Like they're not even used mainstream, which is nuts once you learn about just how how easy these would be to integrate affordably for, for chefs. But anyway, if you want to start ramping up your sprouts or eating sprouts, what do you recommend for the best way to eat them, how to enjoy them, recipes that taste amazing? When you're eating eight cups of sprouts, are you just straight up taking spoonfuls of sprouts or, or making them taste good in some special way? My simple signature dish is taking sauerkraut and some sauerkraut juice or uh, a pickle and some pickle juice and blending it with some raw tahini and making a little dressing and then tossing it with the sprouts, um, adding avocado um, makes everything taste good. So I'll add an avocado and then I wrap it in nori seaweed and I could sprinkle on if chia or flax seeds and my preference would be to sprout them. If I didn't have time um, to sprout them, I would put the chia flax combo in a coffee grinder and that opens up the cell walls and releases the medium chain fatty acids, the EPA and DHA. And it also adds a nice texture on top of the sprout salad that I just made. And then I wrap it up 
in a raw nori seaweed wrap that will look like a sushi wrap. And the, the nori will have EPA and DHA, the flax and the chia will have ALA. And as a result, you're getting all of your omega-3 medium chain fatty acids. You're getting your proteins, you're getting your starches, you're getting your carbohydrates. It's all in one really neat package. And the wraps are crunchy, they're delicious. The tahini is a great source of calcium. You can make your own tahini. Um, you know, if you have the, the right equipment, just making it predominantly with just fresh organic um, sesame seeds. That's so, awesome. Um, I'm curious about chia, chia sprouts. Um, and you see everyone have chia pets, right? I had no yeah. idea those were functional and you could eat the chia pet sprouts. Um, yes. I'm curious how that plays out. Is that like a, a reasonable way to grow chia sprouts? And then when you're growing, so we, yeah, I eat chia seeds all the time. I have never yet sprouted them, but you better believe I'm going to. Do they retain the, the omegas? Like, is that, do they, they amplify the omegas? How does, how does sprouting chia and flax seeds turn out? So, so you can sprout. And by the way, I have never had a chia pet, but I, I do talk about using the same terracotta that they make chia pets out of. Mm -hmm. And so, and terracotta is really like the clay, but it's condensed, compressed earth. Um, and uh, it's a great way of getting the omega-3s. I think when you sprout the chia seeds, like it's so easy. What I said before, like like I'm, you know, as much as I, I want to always go the extra mile, sometimes I take a path of least resistance. And um, sprouting chia takes about a week and sprouting flax. And you can sprout them on the terracotta or on your chia pet, or you could even sprout them on an unbleached paper towel. Like it's very simple. And when you sprout them, they become much more bioavailable. And like what we were discussing with the legumes, by soaking them and germinating them, you're removing the phytic acid and the enzyme inhibitors that exist on the, the testa, on the shell of the chia seed. So it's a very good process to soak, to germinate, to sprout. And then it's really a miracle because you're looking at this chia seed that just a couple of days ago was like a little seed that looked like a poppy seed. And now it looks like a baby four-leaf clover. Like mm -hmm. it's it's bright and it's green and it's, you know, it, it, it has its own distinctive flavor, but it's all healthy. And I think that's probably the best way to consume it. And, you know, the, the issue really is, um, and I just did a post on this on, on my Instagram a couple days ago, most people are just living to eat. You know, where, where am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? What time is dinner? Um, and they're eating in places that are doing total comfort food, expensive comfort food, cheap comfort food, but they're doing comfort food. and it takes a little bit of tenacity of conviction in order to be able to tell somebody, you know what, don't 
um, do this, don't do that. Um, and I'm going to change this and I'm not going to change that. And so what I do is I'm just living my best life, sprouting, soaking in the hot springs, running in the desert and having really great intellectual conversations with, with people about a topic that I'm so passionate about. Yeah, it's pretty cool seeing, I mean, <laughs> your journey to sprouting is a pretty unique one that maybe most people can't relate to, but you're looping in people to sprouting who don't live in the desert where it's their only option, who like, what are some, some people that you would never imagine in a million years would become diehard sprouters who are now sprouting religiously? Um, it's interesting. I think that anyone can sprout, like anyone can sprout. Seven-year-old kids are sprouting. Six-year-old kids are sprouting. Parents are feeding um, Dr. B, his two-year-old boy, um, first solid food that they were eating were sprouts. So, so th this essence of, of sprouting for anyone and everyone is, is very real. Um, what, what I would encourage people to do is ask, like what, you know, ask the right questions. And so if you ask me the question, like, why should I sprout? And I'm like, well, you need to eat. And you see the consequences of not eating well, right? The, the, the plaguing of chronic illnesses. And um, sprouts are a way to eat really well, really inexpensively. And um, it's fresh and it's tasty. So how would you use the sprouts is the, the simplest way is sprout salads. Like I pretty much stop buying greens because I prefer to grow sprouts. And so I'm using them as salads. So that's another way. The first thing is your, you know, you can make wraps or then I can make, I can make salads. And then it's all like both of you are very creative in the kitchen. It's all about the sauces. Like if you understand that you're dealing with something bitter, what do you do to offset it? whether you want to use a vinaigrette or just a balsamic vinegar or an apple cider vinegar or lemon or tahini or an avocado dressing or a salsa. There's any ways that you could do. And in that case, sprouts just become a filler item, but as opposed to an empty filler like psyllium husks, you're having a filler that is this powerhouse of nutrition. I love it. So the challenge to everyone listening is, well, first of all, I mean, definitely check out Doug's book, The Sprout Book, and it will sort of walk you through the, of course, the whys, which we've touched on here, but also the how, how to grow different sprouts and how uh, the different ben benefits and properties of each of them. Um, but I know I am self-challenging myself to, to, to start doing it and then keep doing it. I remember going to Tony's house probably a few years ago. And Paul, I think at that point had read your book and had started sprouting. And I saw like a little jar of sprouts sitting on the countertop. And I was like, 
interesting, cool. Like I didn't know the the massive health benefits of them. But at this point, there's... We go to such extremes to try and incorporate healthy things into our life that are really hard. They can be really expensive. They can be really inaccessible to a lot of people. But here's something that's not any of those things. Anyone, anywhere can do this. And um, and the impact is so much greater than even eating broccoli every day, you know, like it, 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 it's tenfold that or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I challenge everyone listening to really dig into this deeper and to take action. And I'd love to hear from you, Doug, what you, what words of wisdom you'd like to share with people, um, about your experience and just to encourage them along that path. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, similar to you, both that now you crave the healthy things and the green juices um, and you like the, the flavor. For me, um, I'm, I, I, I become present now when it's time to eat. Like I stop, I breathe, I look around, I'm thinking like, what am I putting in my mouth? And now I have a few guidelines is that Everything that I put in my mouth is a choice, but it's really a life or death decision. Like it's really that true. And I think we take it uh, for, for granted that what we eat, because there's not immediate consequences. You don't take a bite of a, of a, of a steak and then have a heart attack in most cases, right? So the, the, the punishment usually comes long after the crime and the consequences of eating um, often come long after the consumption. But I think when you think about the macro level of what's going on in the world, the environmental parts, it takes, depending on whose example you use, between 1,800 gallons and 5,000 gallons of water to grow one pound of beef through a cow. And it may take 50 gallons of water to water that broccoli every day for six months to get market stage broccoli. But you could grow a pound of broccoli sprouts with as little as one gallon of water. And so like that's really, really powerful environmentally, um, air quality inside the, the house, because the sprouts are sequestering carbon from the atmosphere, like powerful things. There's another thing to just think about is how fortunate we are. Like I would say anyone who's listening to this podcast has really won the ovarian lottery. Like they're growing up in a time where we have technology, where we have systems, we have access to information and knowledge um, and research. Um, but today, you know, we're still living, you know, in a world, and this, like, I'm surprised it's not headline news every day, but 10,000 people died yesterday on average in the world of starvation, 10,000 people. And 10,000 people 
died the day before that and the day before that. And probably every day for the last decade, 10 years, you know, 10,000 people are dying of starvation. And countless others are dying from complications to of what they were eating. You know, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, strokes, all things that could be either correlated or caused by diet and lifestyle. So without being preachy, sprouts are something that basically win any argument uh, about access to organic vegetables. Like if there were no sprouts and someone was living in Flint, Michigan or Ferguson, Missouri, uh, you can almost accept the fact like they live in a food desert. There's no whole foods. They don't have a lot of money. They're, they're surrounded by fast food restaurants and you know convenience stores. And that's the option. What are they going to eat? But now we know about sprouts. We know about sprouting seeds. So I would encourage um, the, everyone who's listening to see how they can share this knowledge, this information, some of their seeds with some of those less fortunate. And you know, last Sunday, um, I did a presentation in a low-income neighborhood at a community center where I brought a 35-pound bucket of sprouting seeds, a 60-foot roll of cheesecloth, and a box of rubber bands. And it's kind of like, okay, take any vessel you want. Here's a cheesecloth and a rubber band. Here's some seeds. Go home and sprout. And every person who was in attendance um, came up and got some sprouting seeds. And like the 35-pound bucket almost seemed like it was automatically replenishing itself. Like it was hard to even make a dent in the bucket as I'm giving away seeds. Like that's how abundant the the sprouting seeds are. That is amazing and so generous of you. Uh, Thank you so much for all the goodness that you do and bring to the world and for inspiring others to do that as well. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today and have you on the Plant Powered People podcast, Doug. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Tony, Michelle, you guys are doing such incredible work. Like such incredible work with the messaging, with the recipes, just with your knowledge and your charisma and you're fierce. And and I, I just want, you know, I bow to you and I'm grateful for you. And thank you for, for having me on your, on your podcast. Thanks, Doug. That's the nicest thing. Thank you you so much. (laughs) A quick reminder before we go to check out the sponsors of this episode. First, we've got Carviva. And if you want to pick up some of their sprout-filled juices, uh, the versions that they have that have the mung bean sprouts in them are their grape kiwi and the aloe kale pineapple flavors. And you can find them at carviva.com. They're also on Amazon and in some grocery stores. And then don't forget to check out Maxine's Heavenly to pick up some cookies at maxinesheavenly.com. You can get 25% off with the codes PLANTS25. Oh, another great episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I am just so in awe of 
Doug's enthusiasm for life, but also just his authenticity and generosity and kindness. He's the type of person that when you're talking to him, even if he doesn't know you, he just focuses all his attention and makes you feel like he's actually listening to you and cares. <laughs> I feel like that's such a simple thing, but most people are not like that in life. So I appreciate that. If you want to check out his work more, get some ideas on what to sprout, how to sprout, what food you can make with it, definitely check out his Instagram account. He's pretty active on there and it's just at Doug Evans on Instagram. And then his book is The Sprout Book. So you can find that anywhere you shop for books. We'll include links to everything in the show notes as always at plantpoweredpodcast.com. And thank you to you, all you wonderful people who listen to another episode of our podcast and make us feel so supported. We read all of the reviews that you send. And if you ever have anything to say, please leave it in a review. We really appreciate them. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts. There's a little app on your iPhone or iPad where you can find that. And also, if you'd like to continue supporting us, you can check us out on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash people. Thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. See you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.